0: As far as the use of sound effects, I'm a big proponent of leveraging a medium and the the uniqueness of a particular medium. So, uh, whatever the uniqueness of that medium is, uh, you know, I like to find ways to do that. Music is a big part of that, but uh, sound effects are are a big part of it too, but the subtlety matters.
1: Hey, it's Evo. This is the first episode of the second season of Three Clips, a Castos original, and it's the first episode with me as the host. If you're new to Three Clips, welcome. And if you enjoyed the first season helmed by Jay, thanks for sticking with the show through a host change. I hope I grow on you. As always, our goal with Three Clips is to demystify the creative process behind great podcasts, and to inspire greater creativity in your work. To help us today, we learn from Michael Trapani of How to Start a War. I'm sure you'll get a lot of actionable takeaways from my conversation with Michael. You'll hear us talk a lot about the importance of research and writing, and how different sound elements, from effects to music to accents to pacing, can really make a story come to life. And the way Michael combines the elements of radio dramas, even though this podcast is nonfiction with the narrative podcast style, it's just masterful. Now, don't let this next bit put you off, but How to Start a War is Michael's first serious foray into podcasting, but I promise you, it doesn't sound that way. Part of the reason for that is that this project took Michael six years to complete, from the time he started researching until the final episode was produced. That's some serious dedication. Michael combines his theatrical experience and voiceover work experience with his love of history and classic radio dramas to produce this show, which he offers as a counter-narrative to the hyper-nationalism he sees taking shape around the world. A couple of caveats before we get started. The first is that if you find history boring, I can assure you that you will not find How to Start a War boring. Michael is a masterful storyteller who, over the course of just eight episodes, unlocks the lead-up to one of the worst events, if not the worst event in human history, ever. You only wish you had a history teacher who kept you so enthralled. Yes, you already know the ending of this story, but what you may not know is the beginning. The second caveat is one that Michael stresses at the beginning of every episode of the podcast, while the characters portrayed are at the center of this story, they are not the heroes. They are the opposite of heroes. They are quite literally the most villainous human beings in history. They are on the short list of the worst people who have ever lived. Ever. They should not be celebrated. Nor should they ever be glorified. And that's not what this podcast is about. This story is about what happens when good people like you and me do nothing to stop the worst people on earth while we still have the power to do so. And now, here's my conversation with Michael Tripani of the podcast How to Start a War. You know, I, I, I hate when people ask creators the question of where do you get your ideas so i am not doing that i promise you that is not that is not the intent of my question uh, but i am curious why did you choose podcasting to tell this story
0: that's a great question i i'm i'm not sure uh, to be honest i had this I mean, I've always been very much interested in history uh, and and its applications to understanding how the world works today, Um, and I I don't know if my specific interest in podcasting uh, had anything to do with why um, I decided to choose the medium. I have always been into podcasts as well, Um, but I think I grew up... Uh, listening to a lot of audio dramas and, uh, you know, old time radio. When I was a little kid, my grandmother used to give me those old cassette tapes of, um, you know, Sherlock Holmes and Suspense and some of the old Westerns, and it, it helped me fall asleep. It, uh, it really was a, a wonderful way to, to enjoy um, storytelling through a medium that was unique at the time. Uh, at least for me. And, you know, I learned a lot in, in those periods of time. And I think it was something that I had a background, you know, not in podcasting specifically, but I did do some uh, voiceover work when I was in college uh, briefly. And I felt like this was a style of podcasting that you don't see as much of. You, you still see plenty of it, but the sort of dramatization of, of stories, telling a story, but adding really some some of the I don't know, the drama that it, the, the story that has very high stakes deserves.
1: Yeah, it, it, it certainly has high stakes. Let's, so let's talk about that that choice of format, the, the yeah. dramatic read or what I would call a narrative style of podcast, right? Which is, by all accounts, hard to pull off. It's not the easiest of formats. The easy thing is, let's do an interview. Oh, right. apropos <laughs> of nothing. Uh, but it's much more difficult to pull off a, a narrative style of show. And again, because we know this was your first time doing a podcast and having listened to lots of radio drama previously, how did you know you were doing it
0: right? I I think I just listened to it. Uh, I, I listened to how it sounded and I compared that type of, of sound to what I thought was good growing up when I would listen to those audio dramas. Right. So like there's, there's little things that just don't sound right to me, right. Little things like small editing, uh, when you hear breathing cut off or you know things like that that are the obvious ones. Um, but then when you start to hear conversations that take place between two people and you're both voices of that conversation, um, you start to play that conversation out in your head. Uh, you think about what the speech cadence of two people talking to each other is. Um, and then a lot of it was um, just just having an ear, uh, for, you know, to compare it to, just to some of those old dramas that I used to listen to. So I don't know. I, I think it was, it was something that you pick up some of the tricks from some of those dramas, like, uh, fading in, fading out certain types of effects. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot more tools and software out there now that you can use, uh, that you used to not have. Right. So I don't have to, I don't have to make as many of the sound effects, although I do make some of them in the series. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it just kind of listen to it and, and, I use my barometer of, uh, do I enjoy this? Is this interesting to me? Um, and would I listen to this again?
1: <laughs> and, and that's really key, right? Having an ear for something it yeah. is important. And the good news is we're talking about spoken word audio. And as long as you are able to speak <laughs> and take uh, inspiration, take, you know, download lots of things and just listen. And it's, it's less a matter. I, I think what you're saying, it's less of how did they do that? Or more, maybe I'll figure out how they did that. The important thing is I want to replicate that. I want to ha- make sure that conversation between those two people sounds like two people talking, not one dude talking to himself.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. I actually saw a, a while ago, I remember watching a clip of Seth MacFarlane uh <laughs> recording an episode of family guy oh, and he man. was having a conversation between uh, you know it was it was like peter quagmire and brian in an argument and <laughs> when when you don't see you know when you watch the show and you even when you find out that he's all three of those voices um you sort of figure that he, he would go through the script and then like do the parts sure of peter and then do the parts of brian and then do the parts of quagmire and then you watch a clip of him and like no he's actually doing all of them as they're playing out he sort of pauses in between um but uh but like you know and it's cut up a little bit later but yeah he like has the argument with himself and it was wild to watch and i, I saw that and i'm like man okay so like he does it that way and then I thought about, you know, basic editing on my side, uh, that, that isn't that hard to do, although it's time consuming. And I figured, yeah, yeah let me try it that way. And it, it ended up, you know, turning out okay.
1: Better than okay. My friend, it turned out <laughs> much better than okay. <laughs> Thanks. So before we get into the clips, I have one more question
0: and and, and I'm
1: asking this because I'm, I'm so fascinated by this and, and, and this is it. What's your end game? What's the outcome? that you're looking to achieve. I mean, the podcast is, it's not ad supported. You're not selling World War II memorabilia or other sorts of merchandise from it. So the question is, why do you do this?
0: I think I've always had this dream to do this for a living. It's not what I do for a living right now, but it's something that I've always wanted. If I could be, uh, you know, to to use another person that I that I admire for his, his ability to take a field of study and bring it to the more popular understanding, someone like Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh,
1: sure.
0: You know, if you could be a Neil deGrasse Tyson for history, uh, oh. you know, and then you got folks like Dan Carlin who who do this really well with hardcore history. Um, but you know, I think that that was always something that. Um, I think would be a dream job, uh, a dream job, you know, to, to do on a regular basis, even even a live. history communicator. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I figured that um, before I actually did this, I put a lot of pressure on myself to like come up with a business model of how something like this might work before I invested all the time. And I was actually talking to my wife about this uh, at the time, and she was like, if you enjoy it, then just do it. And then it doesn't matter if it works like, you know, it's fun. Like if, if you're having fun, then like put it out there and, you know, you're in no position to, to determine if it's going to be a, you know, a business model because you don't even know what the product's going to be yet. Uh, so just, yeah. you know, put something out there and, um, and, you know, I figured if I wanted to reach a lot of folks and uh, I actually think the lessons out of the series are very important. Um, and so I think I just uh, want a lot of people to hear it. Um, so that's, that's why I sort of take, take a lot of the barriers down.
1: All right. So with that, all that out of the way, I want to get into the clips. Now we're going to pull all of the clips of this episode from the fourth episode of the podcast, which I listened to all the way through first. Now, by the way, that is not the way I recommend enjoying this particular podcast this is a serialized show it's serial content so you certainly want to start from episode 1 disclaimer right so so we chose this clip well stewart chose this clip and i completely agree with his decision and assessment of this because it's a great example of something i wish more podcasters would do and that is just get on with it you know drop the listener immediately into the story don't make them wonder what this episode is going to be about. And don't make them sit through a super long intro. Don't, don't even give them time to decide whether or not they should listen. Just give it to them. That's what I was about this. So, so let's play that clip.
0: It was still dark in the Austrian capital, and he was awoken by the phone ringing next to his bed. He didn't mind being woken up. He wasn't really sleeping anyway. In fact, he hadn't slept a full night in weeks. And after the stunt he had pulled last night, he knew there would be consequences. He was just glad he'd finally find out what they are. He fumbled for his glasses and a pencil on his bedside table so that he could write something down if he needed to. The man in bed, awoken by the ringing telephone, was the leader of Austria, Chancellor Kurt von Schuschnigg. Schuschnigg was about the last person you'd expect to be the head of a government. Before becoming chancellor, he was the Minister of Education. An academic, a devoted Catholic, he had been thrusted into the position of chancellor by circumstance. Now, he was doing his best to keep Austria in one piece, which was In that month of March, 1938, on the very brink of collapse.
1: So a quick spoiler alert for the people out there listening. Uh, Things turn out badly.
0: Yeah, both for Snake Schneeg- well. and
1: Austria. Yeah, yeah, bad things are going to happen. In case you missed that from your history class. <laughs> yeah, this is not now, a,
0: This does not have a happy ending. Uh, spoiler,
1: alert. <laughs> nor should this have a happy yeah. ending, right? I mean, this is this is uh, yeah. So, but I think what I love about that clip. Well, actually, I think there are two things uh, that I really love about that clip. Uh, it's the pacing of the clip, and it's the deliberate use of a single sound effect—that ringing phone. At the beginnings, but let's let's talk about these things in order. The the sure. pacing, you know. I just said it's important to get on with it, but at the same time, it's important to get on with it in the right flow, right? I, I really love how this built tension all the way through. So so well done uh, on that. Did that did it take Thank you a
0: lot of takes to get that right? It didn't take a lot of takes, but it took a lot of editing. And and I actually so uh, the, the the story of this episode is the. Is the uh, the German annexation of Austria, which was one of their first acts of aggression, uh, or you know one of one of the you know, the, the Nazi government's first acts of adre- uh, of aggression that that was part of the lead up to World War II? Um, and I I remember being back in in college when I first learned about this event and the details. And uh, there's a line at the end of the episode that talks about this, but I remember my professor saying that this was the first. And last country to ever be conquered by telephone, you know it's rare that you get to be in the room and get firsthand accounts of anything that happens in the past. Um, especially when, even when you get those firsthand accounts, they're they're biased in some way because it's the person telling the story if, if they want to portray themselves in the best light. In this case, uh, we have actual transcripts of conversations. Uh, so Hermann Göring, the, the second in command of of uh, of the Nazi uh, Third Reich, uh, was a meticulous uh, uh, note taker, and his office had a system that transcribed every phone call that went in and out of it, especially ones that he was on. Um, and so, a lot of the telephone conversations that happen in this episode are uh, are not changed in any way; they're translated from uh, the German that they that they took place in, but. Um, you know, a lot of it is actually me reading the, the United States military's uh, translation of these conversations. So uh, it was such an opportunity. Uh, it is effectively the script. Uh, you, you have the conversations there. Um, and so the, the pacing of, you know, getting someone in, I sort of always had this vision of having a, a ringing telephone uh, and that being a persistent, uh, device throughout the episode. Um, and, and it takes place throughout and sort of in the beginning, you sort of set some tension. And then by the end of the episode or some, you know, somewhere in the middle, I wanted that ringing telephone to be an, oh no, like that sort of like, as soon as you hear <laughs> that, that like, yeah, some more dread, some more bad stuff is about to happen. And, and it's like a, you know, a, a, a an audio way of, of bringing that to life.
1: You know, I had a friend of mine, Another OG podcaster, way way back in the very early days, who uh, who's big into the audio drama space and podcast fiction, uh, and she once said, "Treat sound effects as if they cost money." That was her advice to other podcasters getting involved, right? And and I I think that's very very smart. I mean that that means be be judicious in in your usage. How did you approach the use of sound effects throughout the entire podcast?
0: One of the things that anybody who listens to the the podcast will tell is it gets a little more uh, heavier in the use of sound effects as you go. Uh, and that's mostly because I didn't know what the hell I was doing when I made the first episode. Um, but I start to, you know, develop a little bit more of an understanding. But as far as the use of sound effects, I'm a big proponent of leveraging a medium and the, the uniqueness of a particular medium. So uh, you know, if I'm watching a movie, I always look for the visual cues that aren't spoken but are unique to that medium because it's something that you're looking at. Um, uh, you know, I had a, a various, you know, folks, like if, if you're watching a, a fight happen and there's a a fire in the background of them, like that's a, you know, that's a cue, right? Someone's saying like, this is a, you know, this is a, a fire happening. Um, but in audio, it's, you know, you have those oppor- opportunities as well. So uh, whatever the uniqueness of that medium is, uh, you know, I like to find ways to do that. Music is a big part of that. Uh, the sound effects are are a big part of it too. But the subtlety matters.
1: All right. Well, let's let's slide onto the second clip before we play that. Here, let me set the stage. Um, this is when the soon to be sad <laughs> Sushnik returns, but um, he. So does the elephant. In the room, or Elephant in the podcast, uh, the not necessarily the protagonist, but again, the, the main bad guy, Adolf Hitler. Now, in this scene we're about to play, two men are negotiating the surrender of Austria. And you're switching back and forth between the two characters, masterfully, I would say, and also playing the role of narrator. So you've got at least three jobs going on in this clip we're about to play. So, so let's play it first.
0: Ribbentrop then took the two Austrians back into Hitler's study. As the large doors opened, the Austrian men saw the German leader pacing back and forth behind his desk. Hitler's hands were clasped behind his back, and his head cocked up, looking towards the men as they walked in. His voice sliced through the room, high-pitched, as if he was coming to the climax of a speech. Herr Schuschnigg, you have the draft of the document, there is nothing to be discussed. I will not change a single iota. You will either sign it as is and fulfill my demands within three days, or I will order the march into Austria. Chancellor Schuschnigg's response was broken and timid in the face of what might be the end of his country. He played the last card he had, in appeal to formality. Herr Hitler, I am willing to sign, but I must remind you that under the Austrian constitution, Only the president has the power for such an agreement and carry it out. Therefore, while I am willing to accept these terms and appeal to the president to do the same, I cannot give a guarantee. Hitler stopped, turned on his heels, fully facing the Austrian chancellor. Well, you have to guarantee it. I could not possibly, Herr Chancellor. General Keitel! Hitler barked, losing it. He turned towards the window and looked out onto the terrace where his generals were sitting. He pushed open the window and bellowed out, General Keitel, come here at once! He then turned back to and seared. I shall have you called in later.
1: So, this is exciting for a lot of reasons, and and none of it has to do with poli-sci. Right, this is not a political science that I love all of that clip. But here's what I noticed that you didn't do, Michael. You didn't use a German or an Austrian accent, though I'm confident you, you, you know, who knows? I know I certainly would not be able to discern between those two. Yeah, uh, to me, it, me it's neither. certainly the same thing. But what you did do really well with that is that you captured the intensity of one and I guess the hopelessness of the other. What were your, what were your thoughts around accents and mannerisms and how did you... Work to make a noticeable difference between the characters that you portrayed when you were
0: speaking their words. Yeah, this came up really early on. Uh, I think you know, in the first episode, uh, there's there's voices, uh, and I think that I made a decision not to do accents. Uh, a because. I, I respect the accents, uh, and, and it's not just Germans that, that have speaking roles in this. Uh, there are British, there are uh, Czechoslovakians, there are uh, even Americans. And I knew that um, I wouldn't be able to do all of them justice. And what I wanted to capture, at least from an accent standpoint, were some distinctions of those languages. So you'll notice that when, when Germans talk... I enunciate consonants a little bit more. Um, it's a little more of an intensity of, of of specific you know sounds that I use in their speech cadence. Um, for British, um, I sort of have like a sort of a softer sort of sort of like a sophisticated kind of airs uh, that I put on uh, for uh, for the Italians. Uh, Mussolini plays a plays a, a part here. Uh, they have more of a lyrical sort of uh, speech. Cadence, and and I thought that was a way to at least get the the gist of the accent without actually making or attempting to to do the accent. And then with the with the people and the characters themselves, you know that was a lot of a combination of listening to them talk uh, through any sort of recordings that are available of them, and then trying to replicate that. That speech cadence as much as you can. Uh, But then also just uh, imagining what they might sound like if they were speaking English and trying to bring deliberate intensity to the intense folks, deliberate intimidation for the intimidating folks, um, and then for the folks that were getting bullied and pushed around, uh, making decisions to sort of bring them lower to the ground in the way they talk, uh, sort of like a submissive tone for folks like Shushnik, uh, who is very much in fear of his life during that conversation. You know, the the, the one of the next clips uh, following that is after he leaves the room, he's, you know, pulling a cigarette out and says, I'd be surprised if we're not both arrested in the next five minutes. Uh, so, you know, how would one sound in a situation like that, right? They They must sound very timid and scared. And I also, because he smoked a lot, I gave him more of a raspier voice. And and so, you know, little things like that, I think the most important thing was that they were able to be distinguished as voices in a conversation. So no one got confused. Uh, and then from there, it was, you know, all those other pieces put together.
1: Yeah. I think the key takeaway there is subtlety. Yeah. When used right, can do wonders, right? I mean, People listen to this, and of course, it's, it's the right medium, so you can do a lot more, and, and we don't have the visual cues to convey. But, but still, you know, our brains, typically, for those of us that are neurotypical, our brains will fill in the gaps, and just giving a few hints in various directions is good. I also think it's very smart of you to be respectful uh, of the accents because it is so easy to do a caricature voice, especially of someone like Hitler. Um, or especially as Mussolini was in here too, you know, Stalin makes an appearance. And so, yeah, it's, it's easy to go down that comedic trope route. But one thing I notice about this show is it's not funny.
0: Right. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> no. It's not so funny. You really yeah. You know, it's funny because like, I'm normally like someone who enjoys comedy and like, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't get this from listening to the podcast, but like, you know, I, I, I love, you know. Comedy, and I'm, I'm I consider myself a funny guy, but uh, yeah, you, you, you I, I don't have any of those opportunities to use that. And just based on one of the things that you said earlier around sort of the medium of of podcasting, I don't think I would be able to do all of the characters in a visual format. I think it would be too distracting for me to you know be the face of like I wouldn't even know how you would do it. Uh, you know, yeah. there's one man shows out there, but um it's it's hard to get into Uh, i think this makes it a lot easier to separate different characters even if it's played by the same person
1: all right so let's go to the last clip now we're going to go deeper into this episode again we're on the same episode episode four which was a pretty (laughs) intense episode although honestly they're all pretty intense episodes of this so now it where we're going now is there are two characters There's a young aide for uh, Zeiss Link, Inkvart, these German pronunciations are are killing me over here, Uh, (laughs) Inkvart, and the Nazi uh, Hermann Göring. Uh, These two are arguing over something that sounds like it's not gonna be exciting. Uh, This is (laughs) the details of the Austrian government dissolving their cabinet. But I'm gonna talk about this in a second,
0: so so let's play that clip. Another hour would pass before the next phone call. This time, it wasn't Inkvart himself calling Berlin to give an update to Göring, it was one of Inkvart's aides, a young officer. He was nervous on the phone with the second most powerful Nazi in the world. His voice was shaking. I have to report the following. Zeiss Inkvart was speaking to the Austrian Chancellor until 4.30, but can't dissolve the cabinet by 5.30 because it's not technically possible. Goring roared back. Well, by 7.30, the new cabinet needs to be formed, and a lot of other things need to happen. Is I, there? He is not. He's in the meeting. That's why he sent me here to call you. What is the message? Repeat it exactly. The message what is What does that he have to say? He says that we can bring in the party organization now. I don't care about that. I want to know what's going on. Did Ingvar tell you that he is now the chancellor? Y- y- yes...
1: That's what he said to you? Yes. Good. So another situation to where clearly one person has all the power in this conversation, and the other one is just trying to live through it. I really feel it's the, what came out of that one. But what I let's talk technical for a second, right? So for Goring's voice, you made it sound like, it came from a telephone, right? So that's a pretty common and a simple enough effect for a lot of podcasters. do. probably used a high-pass filter if I had to guess what you were using for that. But it's an effective one, right? I mean, it's really effective to do that. It doesn't require a lot of technical skills to do something that just works. I, but I am curious. Did you find yourself having to do some retakes of the narration or additional editing once the phone effect had been added because you weren't recording with the phone effect on. You did that afterwards. Did it, did it change the presentation for you, the editor?
0: It, it was very hard to edit. Um, the, the hardest part, honestly, was beyond the effect. It was trying to work off of multiple tracks when you're, you know, watching two tracks and like two conversations going um, and you're splitting up the dialogue um, of the voice track the vocal track that I had used to record both voices which was recorded at the same you know time one a, a conversation happening after the other um, and then splitting them across multiple tracks uh, figuring out how to apply those types of filters to one track but not all of the tracks I think there were like six or seven tracks by the end of that episode it was oh, I yeah, sure but you know it was it was hard to like get you know, if you notice there's, um, there are like interruptions, uh, in the conversation and, and those interruptions actually happened. Like I remember reading the transcript and, and being like, why is he asking the same question? You know, there was part in the clip you just played where he's like, you know, tell me exactly what he said. And then he starts to answer. And then he says again, what does he have to say? Like as he's answering it again, overlaid,
1: overlapped on each other. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, getting that timing right was really hard but i i wanted to keep it there because it added to the chaos of the situation even on the side of the power right so you talked about how the the there were there was definitely someone who had a lot of power in that situation but it was also not only do they have power but they were also hanging by a thread so that situation could have just as easily gone the other way and the chaos and the misunderstanding and the wrong information that was getting delivered, like later in that episode after that clip you just played, it turns out everything that that young frightened officer said was totally wrong, and he was just, as you said, trying to get out of that conversation alive, and he was afraid of that if he gave the bad answer, he would probably, you know, get court-martialed or worse. And so uh, the the chaos and confusion of that led me to keep pretty much all of the dialogue that was in those transcripts in here. And that just added to the the difficulty of making sure that you got uh the, the, the tracks lined up right and the and the, the clips lined up right that you were using. So um, yeah that, that made a really hard editing job.
1: Yeah well you, you pulled it off masterfully. I mean, uh, you,
0: thank you. you. Thank you.
1: You captured all that chaos um, and horrible time and then put it all together in a way that I think, you know we could, I know I personally could sit and, and really experience it. So I'm curious thinking, I'm curious about your thinking now versus then. Then, many months ago when you said, this is a great idea. And now here we are, finished. All the episodes are done. It's out. Give me a rundown of how you feel about the show, the process, uh, and, and everything in general.
0: The show actually has a lot of... uh as as universal as the story is to a lot of people, I mean, I I don't want to give it's an intense story. It's not a a happy story, but I don't want to give the impression that the purpose of listening to this is uh, so that uh, people can just have a ton of anxiety and listen to a, a you know a really scary story. <laughs> the, the 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 main takeaway that I wanted to convey in the story is that as devastating and and sad as a lot of these stories are as scary as autocrats and and folks who are trying to consume a great deal of power for for bad ends those folks are still out there right the, the these are not problems that go away um and uh and i think it's it's valuable for folks to um understand the lessons from our past uh, that can uh that can help us understand uh, our world but also empower us a little bit because the at each stage in every episode there is a moment when a good person or at least a less terrible person uh, could have taken a different approach they could have said something different they could have stood up they could have um, they could have challenged uh, the bad actors and made a difference and potentially avoided you know the worst, the worst event in human history uh, which is you know the the world war ii which is the you know the largest mass casualty event um in in human civilization so i think that um you know that that's what i wanted to get out of it and i think that going from the earliest stages of when i was first writing this i mean the writing was actually took the longest um it took about three years to write everything um and i wrote all of the scripts uh, ahead of time to, to be candid, I, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, I think that we're in a slightly better uh, place uh, where, where I was when I started writing. But I also think that um, that it's uh, I, I think one of the, the, the biggest takeaways I learned over the period of time of producing this is that um, our society doesn't run on autopilot and it requires engaged folks to pay attention and understand what's going on in order to to uh, to be the type of good that you want to see. Um, and so I think lessons like this, stories like this, um, you know, people learn through storytelling and, and listening to stories and and it resonates. And I, I, I hope that it was something that folks, you know, took away from. And I, um, I think all that is, is, is the same.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's definitely all of that. It's certainly uh, something that makes you think and, and recognize the fact that things aren't perfect everywhere, not just in Europe. But you know, there there are other continents, and uh, with the exception of possibly one, there are bad <laughs> things happening on on all of them, and I don't even trust Antarctica to be
0: real. Yeah, yeah, them, and so. and you know, the the war was also fought on our, on Antarctica, like it's yeah. you know, it didn't it? it no one was safe. Uh, Quite and,
1: literally, you know, a world war. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, and and I'm you know, I'm much more explicit in in the final chapter uh, around some of the the issues of today and. You know, I, I didn't want to bring any of that um, into the story themselves. I'm, I, I'm a big proponent also of respecting listeners, respecting their intelligence, uh, understanding that they can see more than a layer deep that this is a specific story about a specific time. But I tell it in a way that I hope folks can recognize uh, where that happens in the world today.
1: You can get all eight episodes of the first season of How to Start a War at Michael's website, howtostartawar.com. And you can get some behind the scenes images and concepts on Instagram at How to Start a War Pod. I have been and shall be your host for this season, Evo Terra. Thank you so much for listening. You can find all the episodes of Three Clips on our website, ThreeClipsPodcast.com. And you can support the show by telling a few dozen of your closest friends. Again, that's threeclipspodcast.com. This episode was produced by Stuart Barefoot. Matt Medeiros is the executive producer of Three Clips. Theme music was created by Tyler Litwin. If you can't get enough of me, follow me on Twitter, where I'm at evoterra. And if you're a serious podcaster with an interest in making podcasting better, check out my daily short-form podcast called Podcast Pontifications, which you can find at podcastpontifications.com. Three Clips is a Castos original series. You can learn more at castos.com. All the links mentioned in today's episode are in the episode details. And now, our bonus segment. Each episode, we ask our guests for a podcast they'd recommend that isn't at the top of the charts. A show they'd like to show some love to. We call the segment... Play it forward.
0: What I would recommend to anybody who's interested in learning more about audio drama or even looking for tips to try to make the best version of an audio drama that they can is to go back in time and listen to some of the great audio dramas during the golden age of radio. The one that I grew up on were uh, The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, starring Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce. Uh, If you've ever seen any of the old black and white Sherlock Holmes movies, uh, those were the same actors. Basil Rathbone's an incredible uh, voice actor. He was a Shakespearean actor before he did radio and and film. But uh, there were also a number of others that weren't super well-known, a show called Suspense, which was a suspenseful uh, audio drama, as you can imagine. It was sort of like a precursor to the Twilight Zone. A lot of strange, weird things happening, and uh, every week there was a new weird thing happening that um, that was very suspenseful. It had a lot of celebrity uh, guest stars who would play the uh, actors at the time. Uh, and then the last one I would suggest are uh, the... You know the classics, Mercury Theater on the Air. You know War of the Worlds. That's just a great one to listen to as a as a, a, a palate cleanser for uh, for anything. You know Orson Welles is a you know masterful uh, broadcaster and, and actor, and that was a wonderful broadcast. And it was a great sort of start to finish story that you can listen to, and it also brings in a lot of the tricks of. The medium of radio. So you can hear, you know, cutting into broadcasts, uh, even though it was fake, it sounded real, uh, that aliens were invading the earth. Uh, so it was a wonderful broadcast to listen to.
1: And that wraps up another episode of Three Clips, a Castos original, hosted by me, Evo Terra. I truly believe that one of the best ways we can make podcasting better is by understanding what goes on inside the heads of our fellow podcasters.
0: Thanks for joining me on this season. Cheers!